Hello, friends and adorable boy enthusiasts. This is the Adorable Boy Podcast, historic episode 10. Might wonder what we have in store for you on this historic episode. Um, It's more of the same, what we always got for you. We're not changing it up. We're not selling out. We are being the Adorable Boys. So thank you for joining us. Thank you for your support. Thank you for being the Adorable Boy disciples that you are. We appreciate you. We, we love you, and we wouldn't be here without you. Now, when, if you ever meet have, have the honor of meeting me in public, you might not get that vibe. You might get the vibe like, hey, he's pretty rude. He's ignoring me, and he, he's acting like he hates me. And yes, I do that because I'm a very busy man. I'm, very, I'm a very important man. But I want you to know that as I'm sitting in this seat, in the, high in the adorable boy tower, I love all of our fans. I just don't ever want to meet them or talk to them. So... Thank you for being here on the Adorable Boy, Adorable Boy Podcast, episode 10. Episode 10, everybody. It's wonderful. All right, we got a lot to get to today. Um, of course, we have the uh, podcast war. We have something planned for that. Something I think that's pretty uh, pretty interesting. And we got, oh, another great thing we got today. It, it came to the Adorable Boy Studios. Now, you might have heard of um, a group called Antifa, or Antifa, I don't know how what the correct pronunciation is, but, you know, they're going around and they're doing stuff and, you know, whatever. But we actually have a, a, a supply bag that it's kind of, I think it's official standard issue to every Antifa member. And it just has their supplies and, you know, you agree or disagree with Antifa, this is their bag. And I mean, we think you should know about them and we got this in our possession. And we're going to unbag it for you. So that's going to be exciting. See what else do we have? Oh, we have a tribute to the professional athlete heroes who are, who are teaching the country through, through their acts. So we have a tribute to them, and it's great. We're gonna, even, that's going to be pretty informative, I think. You know, we, we're, we're living in a crazy world. There are riots raging. There's an election coming up. There's a virus going around. Uh, but the Adorable Boy podcast endures, you know, as as Bane would say. Um, we endure. But what we got, we got, we're also going to talk about the news, and we'll probably have a visit from the unthinking mob. We we always seem to. We got all that and more today on this episode ten of the Adorable Boy podcast. And in the interest of giving our fans, the Adorable Boy disciples, what they want, we are going to start off with the. Yes, it's podcast war time. Now, this is going to be a little different, so I want you to to stay with me because I promise it's all coming back. It's all relevant to the podcast war. I want to uh, start off by telling you a story. It's a story that starts out on November 7th, 1957 in Craigsville, Virginia. Now, on that day and in that place, a precocious young boy was brought into the world with all the, all the promise of, of generations of his family. And, and just, you know, from day one, I believe his family knew he was special. So this man, he, this gifted child, he grew into an intelligent and charismatic young man. He was the picture of academic and social success at Buffalo Gap High School. And he soared to unimaginable heights at James Madison University. 
And it was there that he found his passion. He found he found the thing that he would use to touch the world, to make the world a better place, and he did. He started broadcasting uh, girls' basketball games and, and other games, I believe. And it was there he honed his skill. He worked hard. You know, maybe he didn't start off great. You know, he started off fine, but he, he grew into greatness as, as so, as you, what, that's what great people usually do. And that's what he did. So, so this rising star, he then began his broadcasting career and he broadcasted countless games of high school football and basketball games. And this was after he graduated from, from, um, Mad, uh, James Madison University. And he started working doing that. And he, he was so good that he started doing minor league baseball games. And then eventually he also did major league baseball games, but that's that's for later. So he was it's while he was doing these minor league baseball games, he had the 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 fortune, and they had the fortune also of employing him, but he had the for, fortune of broadcasting for the Charlotte O's, which is a minor league team that was owned by wrestling legend Jim Crockett. Now, if you know Jim Crockett, uh Ted Turner actually bought a wrestling promotion from Jim Crockett in the eighties, late eighties. And that's what turned into WCW. And if you know wrestling, you know WCW had a really, really ex- uh, pretty exceptional run. And then eventually they failed. But it was it was not the fault of this precocious young boy that I speak, no. But anyway, as he was working for Jim Crockett on, his, on the baseball side, Jim Crockett recognized the talent. And he said, you know what? You should, you should, you should broadcast prof- for professional wrestling. And you know what the greatest thing of all is that Jim Crockett hired him to do various broadcasting jobs for his wrestling promotion. The best move Jim Crockett ever made. I'll tell you that much. So this, this young hero who was just, just made for the squared circle for, for broadcasting about the squared circle. Um, he went off and he worked for them and he did a great job and he, he rose to the ranks. Everyone liked him. He worked for Jim Crockett promotions for a while. He worked for uh, WWF, which uh, at the time was WWF. And everywhere he, he went, he impressed. And then a new era in wrestling came in about 96. 95, actually. And this man became the voice of WCW's Monday Nitro, their flagship show, the show that brought them to stardom. And every Monday, people would tune in to hear this golden voice man talk about the goings-on in the WCW. He became the voice of a generation, really. And he gave us a unique insight into the world of professional wrestling. And, and not only into the world of professional wrestling, but into our own souls. Each Monday was a spiritual experience for the enlightened. Listening to this once precocious young boy who grew up into this, this great man. Listening to him broadcast and do his job. Now, I, I know since I said he was the voice of Nitro, you know that I'm talking about Mr. Tony Schiavone. He's also, by the way, he's the current voice of all elite wrestling. So, I mean, his greatness continues. And now, now let's, let's take a break here. I know that you're saying, well, Spud's gone crazy. He's got to be certifiable. What on earth does Tony Schiavone have to do with the podcast war on kowtowing? Well, I'm going to tell you right now. Um, at some point in his career, Mr. Schiavone had the misfortune of running into one James E. Cornette. And, um, and, and 
now th- don't get me wrong. Tony Schiavone still considers Jim Cornette a friend because that's how great Tony Schiavone is. And maybe he's a good friend. I don't know. I know his podcast is kowtowing, but maybe he's a good friend, Jim Cornette. But anyway, I want to show you how Jim Cornette treated Mr. Schiavone at one point from Schiavone's own words. My point in showing you this is showing the character. This is a podcast war. And Jim Cornette's actions, I'll let you judge them for yourself and I'll judge them for myself. But I'm going to let you from Mr. Shivani's own words tell you about what Jim Cornette did. And now this is from, I want to give them credit. This is a, a clip from a shoot interview of Tony Shivani by RF uh, Video. That's the YouTube username. The name of the video is Tony Shivani Shoot Interview Preview. It's about almost five minutes into it is where he mentions Cornette. Um, the website for them, you should go check them out. These, they do great shoot interviews. Um, they are rfvideo.com. And you should listen to them. They've, they've, you know, many shoot interviews with many different wrestling legends. So give RF Video a listen. Subscribe on YouTube to them and all that. And I'm going to play Tony Schiavone's own words about this Jim Cornette uh, situation. And so I grab Cornette like that. And he puts the chair down. He said, you get your fucking hands off me, Shivani, or I'll hit you with this chair. And it wasn't, this This was not Jim Cornette doing a work. Right. He was just. Well, there you go. Tony Shivani, his friend, a man who, legend of wrestling. The integrity to the max. Yeah, I said to the max. And Jim Cornette threatened to hit him with a chair. Oh, my goodness. My goodness. Again. You know, you you judge it on your own. I'm sure Tony has his own judgment of the story. He's too he's too professional to say you know to say it, and he's forgiven, forgets because he's you know he's he's a higher evolved being, Mr. Shivani. But Jim Cornette threatened to hit his own friend with a chair, just for just for touching him. You know, and and I don't know the whole story, so I won't get into it. But I'm pretty sure Tony Shivani was trying to help Jim Cornette there. In fact, I know he was. And that's how Cornette treats him. And that's how he treats podcasting. And that, that's, we're bringing this whole thing together. Cornette, I'm, I, I tried to help Jim Cornette. I tried to, to identify his kowtowing. I tried to help him to see it. And what did he do? He blocked me on Twitter, effectively surrendering. Yet, he will not sign the treaty to officially surrender. To officially renounce his kowtowing ways. And if he can't do that, to, 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 to stop podcasting. He won't sign the treaty. I'm not asking him to stop podcasting. If he can, if he wants. I'm just asking for him to acknowledge that the adorable boys won the war. The podcast war. Hashtag podcast war. But he won't do it. Just like the adorable boys are trying to grab the chair from Jim Cornette. And he's turning around and cursing us without ever even saying anything. Metaphorically, of course. So we just want to help you, Jim. I know you're listening. I know you are. You can't stop. You're trying to figure out everything about us. I know it. <sighs> Just listen to us. We're trying to be friends like Tony Schiavone was your friend. And maybe if you accept it, then we can be friends as you and Tony Schiavone are. But until then, Jim, we have to wage this podcast war. You've already surrendered. You've, you've shown that you're weaker than us. at podcasting. You have. So just sign the treaty, Jim. The podcast war is raging on. Because you know what? I mean, I'm going to be honest, I'm getting a little bit tired of this, and eventually the treaty will be off the table. And it's not going to be too long, Jim. So talk to your co-host, do whatever you have to do. I mean, he'll agree with whatever you say, I know that. But uh, 
just just sign the treaty and this will all be over and you can go back to your normal life you you know i know you're living scared every day of the adorable boys the adorable boys are a cultural phenomena we've spanned mediums we've spanned decades we we were we were one of the greatest radio shows on terrestrial radio and now we're here on terrestrial podcasting and we're great now I mean, just just support growing. We're international, Jim. International. There are people in other countries who are listening to this podcast war. We are recruiting new adorable boy disciples each day. We're heard in 90 cities in London. Well, we were. And only one other broadcasting legend can say that. So please, Jim, do what's best for you. Do what's best for podcasting. Just please, please, Jim. For everyone's sake. All right, we're going to send this to commercial. I need to calm down, as I often do after the podcast war update. You want to catch us on Twitter. It's at Adorable Podcast. You can tweet your, your support for the podcast war. You want to, and, and tweet Jim Cornette your support, too, in the name of the Adorable Boys. Now, he will block you, because I know that he blocks people that even mention the Adorable Boys. That's how, how running scared he is. Facebook, the Adorable Boy Podcast, AOL keyword, Adorable Boy. Instagram, Adorable Podcast. So we're going to be back. Thank you for joining us on this monumental episode 10 of the Adorable Boy Podcast. We have a live read now on the Adorable Boy podcast. Let's see. Ah, now this is an odd one. It is for, it's a new sponsor. It's the city of Portland. And they uh, want all the Adorable Boy disciples to know that they're looking for a new mayor. This is a, this is really a, a classified ad on the radio. So, I mean, they're, what, they're, what they're saying is that they they need a new mayor who can appeal to at least someone. Um, they say right now anything is better than what they have. So if you have no political experience, if you have no experience of any kind, if you can just relate to someone somewhere, then they'll they'll consider you for mayor. And it's really a great opportunity. You know, uh, as far as the riots go, they've been waging pretty pretty bad in Portland for a while. And I guess this, I don't know who's I don't know who's doing this, who took this ad out, but um, they're looking for a new mayor. And you just have to have even a shred of charisma. Um, and you can blame Trump. It says here, you can blame Trump for things, but you, he can't be the only thing. Um, you can't blame everything on him. So if you, if you have any desire to lead Portland, I don't know why you would want to, the state that it's in right now, but maybe you think you can bring it back. Uh, contact the city of Portland. See uh, about their mayor opening. And just just be moderately engaging with them and they'll probably consider you because they're saying that what they have now is um, it's just not cutting cutting in I guess so city of Portland looking for a mayor could it be you maybe 
maybe there's an adorable boy disciple out there who wants to lead Portland back uh, to greatness, I guess, if there ever was greatness. The Trailblazers used to be good, so maybe they should get Clyde Drexler, but I don't know. City of Portland needs a mayor. Maybe it's you. The Adorable Boy Podcast. article in this recent issue of Time Magazine. Very interesting, especially if you want to stop smoking. They're about... This podcast, The Adorable Boys, they're called. They're safe, they're non-habit forming. Now, whenever you get the urge to smoke, you take a... Adorable Boy podcast. Instead. It tastes good, too. Just let it dissolve, and that urge to smoke begins to disappear. You take fewer and fewer as you go along, until first thing you know, you're rid of the tobacco habit. And the Adorable Boy podcasts really work, too. Hundreds of smokers have tried them. Smokers who couldn't stop through willpower alone. But with a little willpower, plus the Adorable Boys, more than three out of four of these people did stop smoking or cut down substantially. And best of all, you won't put on weight. Because the Adorable Boy podcast also curb that big appetite you get when you stop smoking. You can get the Adorable Boy podcast wherever you get your podcasts. They're made and guaranteed by absolutely no one. So if you want to stop smoking, a podcast isn't going to help you. But we will give you original, entertaining content. Hey, hey, hey. We are back with the Adorable Boy Podcast, episode 10. Thank you for joining us. Uh, we're going to move on. Um, uh, last week, a bunch of the professional sports teams in America decided that they needed to do something to advance the cause of social justice. So a bunch of them did it. They all postponed games. Um, the MLB went so far as to uh, on the Mets and Marlins game, which I don't know anyone who would be watching that. But anyway, they had all of the players um, come out and take the field like they were about to play. And everyone came out, stood outside of the dugout who who wasn't starting. And all the players took the field and then they came right off. And the catcher, I think it was a Mets catcher, draped a Black Lives Matter shirt over home plate. So that's what they did. Um, NHL postpone their games. Um, the N- the NBA, the, what we're going to talk about here, is the NBA considered, actually, they postponed some games, and they considered, actually, um, just boycotting, all the players boycotting the rest of the playoffs that they're in. And w- we think that was just a heroic move on their part. And just the consideration of this strike has had so many positive effects on society. So we thought we would bring those to you. We thought we'd let you know all the positive effects that the NBA's uh, 30-hour consideration of a strike brought. 
No, I, I just I just want to show everyone how much how heroic these uh, millionaire basketball basketball players have been, and what their efforts has has brought to us. So I'm just gonna read a, a list of stuff that I have here. These are uh, these are benefits from the NBA's proposed strike. And again, they didn't strike, but all these good things just happened because they proposed one and then didn't, um, I don't know, probably, I don't know why they didn't, but I'm sure it had nothing to do with their own money. But anyway, okay, so here we go. Here's the first one. Let's see. Okay, now 500 KKK members actually denounced the Klan and committed themselves to racial equality. That's amazing. To, to change the hearts and minds of 500 of some of the most hateful people on the planet. That's amazing. I applaud that. And just with the just with the suggestion of a boycott. It's wonderful. It's it's how we get things done. We suggest things, we don't actually do them. And then great things happen, right? Alright, next one. Um, though they provided no food or charity of any kind, underprivileged hungry kids throughout the country were magically fed by the goodwill of the NBA's consideration of the boycott. That the kids must have somehow eaten the goodwill. Now it's amazing that these just the the prospect of these of these grown men who play a, a game for, you know, millions of dollars, the prospect of them not playing that game cured hunger, well fed a whole bunch of hungry children. I think that's great. I think it's wonderful and I think they should be recognized for that. The NBA should be recognized, especially the NBA, all sports, but especially the NBA, should be recognized for their heroic actions. All right, what's the next one? Let's see, uh, women are now completely equal to men in every way. Um, and that's, you know, a great thing. Uh, so it's not only having good effects on, on racism, it's also having good effects on sexism, which is wonderful. Next one, Christian Leitner has been wiped from the NBA's record, NCAA's record books, as well as the NBA's. Now, he had a storied NCAA career, Christian Leitner, and he had, a, he had an okay NBA career, but um, but now he has neither, because sometimes you got to make sacrifices, and this is one of them, and that's, you know, I'm sure Christian is fine with it, and I'm fine with it, and it's, you know, it's just something that had to happen, and it did happen because of the consideration of a strike by the NBA. Okay. Uh, let's see. Because of the suggested strike, there is also no more domestic violence in the U.S. So there is no more any situations where uh, a husband is is abusing a wife or a wife is abusing a husband or wife and wife and husband and husband, whatever the situation is. It doesn't happen anymore. There's no more domestic violence. And this is going to just have great effects on not only this generation, but generations to come. To not have to witness that, the scars that that leaves. And it's all because the NBA almost, almost striked. Striked, is that the word? Almost went on strike, that's better. Another, I mean, these heroes at the NBA should be should be noticed. They, I mean, if they could give them all Nobel Peace Prizes, prizes I think they should. Next one. Uh, the hole in the ozone layer was filled, and we are now completely protected from harmful UV rays from the sun. 
I mean, you can throw out those sunglasses because you don't need them. Because uh, the 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 spirit of what the NBA players did must have went up to the ozone and filled it. They didn't actually strike. They didn't actually lose any money of them themselves, and they, you know they're they're doing fine. But just the thought that they might strike filled the ozone layer. Amazing. Okay, next one. This is encouraging. Both the coronavirus and AIDS have been cured as a result of the NBA's uh, consideration of a strike and their protesting throughout the season. I mean, they cured. They did what no one could do. They cured AIDS, which has been a you know a forty-year situation, and the coronavirus, which is just you know run amok through the whole world, and they cured it. Their goodwill. Uh, they should get the the recognition that they deserve, and I want it. And I'm I'm telling you right now, we're gonna get it for them. All right, here's another one. Now this is kind of a sacrifice, uh, but it's one that we have to make. Steve Nash's stats. Steve Nash is a legendary point guard. Played throughout the 2000s. Uh, his stats will be cut in half. That makes him not a Hall of Famer. His career is now statistically com- comparable to that of Keith Van Horn. And he will be treated as such in the name of equality because we all know everyone is equal, but some are more equal than others. So, Steve, I'm sorry. You still have a career. It's not like you're Christian Leitner. But your stats have to be cut in half. And uh, I know that you agree. I know that you do. Okay. Now, here's a good one. The NBA players pledged to pay the yearly salary to vendors, maintenance crews, and other workers who would lose out because of the heroic strike. Um, this is something they should do. And not through their, uh, you know, through their generosity, um, they will do it because of the, the uh, proposed strike. And it's amazing. Uh, let's see. Okay. Now, here's a good one. Now, we've been talking about what the proposed strike, the effects it would have in the present and the and the future, but it also had an effect on the past. Somehow, their proposed 30, 30 hour strike or whatever it was, it actually changed history. So now, Martin Luther King Jr. wasn't shot and he didn't die in, in 1960, whatever. He lived a long, peaceful life and he did many more great things to promote equality and harmony. Um, though not as much as the NBA players have done. So, I mean, it changed history. We now had Martin Luther King in the history books that shall read. Martin Luther King went on and did way more great stuff, and we will benefit from the fruits of that labor because the NBA's action somehow changed history. So I think that's just amazing. That should be talked about more. but And it will be after this. After this gets out there, it will be. Okay, here's a great one. Um, brake pads on cars no longer need to be changed because of the NBA's proposed strike. Um, I've long thought that the wear and tear on brakes is not due to the friction of stopping a two-ton vehicle. It's due to racism. And now, this proved me right, because as soon as the NBA did this, there's no more wear and tear on brakes. Look at your brakes. There's no more wear and tear. It's racism, and now it's cured. So no more new no more new brake pads. They'll last forever. And again, this might hurt the brake pad injury industry, but we'll find a way. We'll figure it out. 
Okay, the LIE exit ramp in Hicksville, New York is now a lot easier to navigate. Now, this is kind of a local thing. I don't know if you've ever been to Hicksville, New York via the LIE, but it's kind of, um, I mean, you, you kind of get out and it's like a, there's some wood in the air, woods in the area and also like houses. And it's just, I don't know. It's just complicated. I never liked it. And now it's changed. I haven't been there. I don't know what it's like now, but it's a lot easier and a lot safer. So that's a great thing. Um, in the name of equality, Carmelo Anthony is now a two-time NBA champion. So congratulations to him. Um, I'm pretty sure he didn't win them with the Knicks, even in this situation. But he has two championships. So more power to him. Uh, let's see. Uh, myopia. This is, now this is, I don't know why this is in there, but I'll read it. It, see, it says myopia, which is nearsightedness, seems to have gotten worse. Um, but you take the good with the bad. So sometimes it's like when you have a medicine and, you know, it, it cures your cancer, but, you know, maybe it gives you a rash like once a year that goes away. You know, it's, it's that kind of a side effect. You know, what are you going to do? Uh, let's see. Oh, this is good. LeBron will be able to keep his seventh house, which I believe is Parisian. Um, it was touch and go there, but he'll be able to afford that and the private jet. So that's a win-win for everyone. LeBron gets to fly in, you know, he doesn't have to fly commercial. He gets to fly in style, but he'll also get to keep his seventh house, which is an, a getaway house in Paris, which is just wonderful. I'm, I, he deserves it. That's what I have to say. That's what I have to say. All right. The athletes also want a victory for entertainers of all types. Here's the deal. Anyone who earns over seven figures in athletics or the entertainment industry will be able to use taxpayer money to fund a 15-foot-high brick wall complete with man-gun turrets around the perimeter of their property. Now, this is going to keep them separate from the people that they're helping because, let's be honest, they're better than the, than the people they're helping, and they deserve to be kept separate. You know, they're, they're just much more important. Um, it's not that they don't like the people, but they need to be alone because they're better, and what they do is more important. So... You might be a nurse or a doctor, but the guy who plays basketball for a living, he's much, much, much more important. So you got to be separated. And the money to build these uh, walls will be siphoned from after-school activities in low-income neighborhoods and the reduction of WIC benefits for single mothers. Um, so they'll just have to learn to tighten this, their bootstraps. That's all. You know, that's it. Uh, this is a great victory for the poor, I believe. So... Just another great thing that the NBA has done. Now I'm going to give you the final one, and I want you to listen very closely because this is pretty unbelievable. Okay. In the 30 hours in which the NBA threatened to strike, 45,000 inner-city residents throughout the country who had been killed over the past 30 years actually rose from the dead and resumed their lives exactly the way they were when they died. Now, let's, let's put this in perspective here. The NBA considering a strike, not even doing a strike, considering a strike, rose people from the dead. And they're not zombies, they're people. They, they were given their lives back. That's amazing. Why aren't we celebrating this more? Why aren't we? I don't know. It's just, I'm so happy. And I mean, if, if just a 30-hour consideration of a strike can do that, imagine what, what law, an actual strike can do. And and this way, you know, they considered a strike. They didn't actually go on strike. They're not going to lose any money. 
they're going to get all the money that was coming to them. They're going to be able to finish out their, you know, whatever games. And all these things happen, including including 45,000 people rising from the dead. You know, we need to applaud them. And we need to get this out. Adorable boy disciples, get all this news out to people. Tell them the good of the, that the NBA has done. It is your duty. Ah, that's just wonderful. I, I almost have chills, you know? Um, I'd love to take a break now to, to collect myself. But... I promised you earlier we're gonna we're gonna we're going to have an unbagging. Um, we have a we have official an official Antifa uh, supply bag here, and this is what they bring into the streets, and you know what they use when they're doing what they do. So I got this bag, and we're just gonna take some stuff out. Um, just put this up on the table here. Ugh. All right, it's a nice bag. It's like a backpack. Um, really expensive. It looks like it's really expensive, though. Really expensive. I don't know how they're affording these, but anyway. Um, so let's look in here. I'm going to reach in. I'm going to get something. Um, this is what. This is this is going to be all the stuff that helps Antifa, you know, um, ride in the streets and yell at older people in the street and destroy businesses and just spread, you know, pain. This is this th these are the things they use. They're tools of the trade, if you will. So here we go. All right, what do we got here? Looks like a credit card. Um I believe it's their dad's credit card. And it's a nice credit card. I mean, it's I'm not going to say what type it is, but it's it's one of the big names. And I guess they use this to buy food and supplies and all that kind of stuff. So credit card. Let's see what else do we have in here. Mm. Now this is like a it's like a credit card holder, I think. You put your credit card in there and it's like a credit card holder. It's flat. It's, it's made out of foam. It kind of springs up a little bit, almost like into a cylindrical shape. But I think it's a credit card holder. Yep. Put your credit card. Credit card holder. All right. Oh, now I have a certificate here. It looks like it's a bachelor's degree in inclusivity and inclusion and diversity. Hmm. So I guess that's all members of Antifa must be educated in inclusion and diversity. So that's good. I wonder how much that diploma costs, though. All right. Ooh, a, a box of Dunkaroos. Um, if you remember these, I think they just made a comeback. They were pretty big in the 90s, I think. I never liked them. I like the kangaroo mascot. He's on the box here. It's a blue pack of 10 Dunkaroos. These are like sticks that you dump in like a sort of icing. Um, not great, but, you know. Dunkaroos, I guess they're good for sugar when you need them out there. Let's see. All right, hey, we have some more cards here. Let's see. Uh, gift card for Starbucks. Gift card for Best Buy, Walmart, and Target. I always thought they didn't like the big corporations, but I guess they're, they're fine with them. Because they have a few gift cards here. All right, what else do we have? We have, oh, let me, ooh, the, I think these are, yeah, these are earmuffs. I'm not going to put them on me because my hair looks good today. And I want to mess up my hair. Um, Let me see what they're made out of. This is inside here. Oh, it says, ethically sourced from the hair of an infidel. Hmm. I, the, I guess these earmuffs are made out of human hair. 
So that's weird. Gonna throw those away. Don't want those. What do we got here? We got a stack of letters. Now let's see. Let me read one. Oh, this one, this is, I mean, it's boring stuff, but it's from one of their moms. Uh, and here's one from their therapist. Here's one from their holistic healer. Oh, here's, oh, this is an interesting one. It's a copy of a letter written by Karl Marx to Frederick Ingalls. That's an interesting one. Um, if you don't know who those two men are, they're pretty much responsible for um, socialism and communism as we know it. Uh, they were pretty big influences. They wrote. The, they both wrote the Communist Manifesto, and uh, that work was a was had a big uh, influence on Vladimir Lenin, the leader of the Bolsheviks. So that's a letter. I'm not going to read it because it's. Uh, if you've ever read Karl Marx's stuff, it. It's not very good. It doesn't make much sense. So there's a letter. There's a letter from the mom, the therapist, the holistic healer, and Karl Marx to Frederick Ingalls. Okay, what else? We got some books here. I'm digging in here. Uh, we have Necheyev's, Necheyev's Handbook for Peace. Hmm. Interesting. Uh, we have Dr. Seuss's Guide to Anatomy. So I guess that's like for their medics. Let's see what else we have. We have... Are you their godless universe? It's me, Antifa. I guess that's more, that's like a, hmm. So it's like a novel for Antifa children. That's interesting. All right, what else do we have here? We have a do-it-yourself uh, dreadlock kit. So that's cool. Um, oh, and look, this is like a card. And it's it's like a flow chart to see if you're guilty of cultural appropriation, which is great. I think that's interesting. Um, what else? Let's see if the, we're getting to the end here. Let's see. Duct tape. A gun. And that looks like it's it. Yeah, that's what, that looks like it's it. Um, so I guess this is the stuff that Antifa uses to, you know, yell at people. And I guess uh, it's, it's interesting. I'll, I'll give them that. Um, so there you go. There you have it. You want to be an Antifa? I don't know if you got to buy this bag. I don't know if they give it to you. I don't know any of that. But that's what it is. All right. Moving along. I, th I guess, yep, Frankenbeans is telling me we have to go to break. Um, so thank you for joining us. Episode 10 of the Adorable Boy Podcast. We have more to come. If you want to reach out to us, you can go uh, at Adorable Podcast on Twitter. And then we have... Adorable Podcast on Instagram, The Adorable Boy Podcast on Facebook, AOL Keyword, Adorable Podcast. And uh, get us, where, download us, tell your friends to download us, uh, wherever you get your podcasts. We're, we're growing this thing by leaps and bounds every week, and it's just wonderful. So, um, we will be right back on episode 10 of The Adorable Boy Podcast.
Okay, we got a live read coming. Live read coming and we know it's good. We love doing live reads. We love our sponsors, whether they're actually sponsors or whether whether they actually exist or not. We got a new one here. It's anyone's guess as to whether this is real or not, but I'm going to go ahead and read it. Um, let's see. Are you tired of uh, having to take a shower, get dressed, and lug yourself into the car just to go to the casino and lose your life savings? Well, Messina's Virtual Casino wants to make that process much simpler. All you have to do is log on to the secure website, load up your account with um, a credit or a debit card, and you play fake computer games until you lose your very, very real money. And it's just, it's a great little service that uh, Messina's, they want to corner the market on this. So um, if you if you like gambling from the comfort of your own home, Messina's uh, online casino might be the thing for you. And also, if you don't even want to play the games, the new state-of-the-art Messina's hand-over-your-money-to-us system allows you to transfer funds to, to right to our bank their bank account without having to go through the facade of actually playing the cheap computer casino games. And for an extra co- uh, charge, they will even send some... Cas- casino quality women of the night to your house to really sink you deep into into the depression of the realistic casino experience now these women can also be customized with three types available you got las vegas celebrity that's going to be your your higher quality uh experience you got atlantic city way past her prime and then you have thailand dead behind the eyes because of human trafficking so whatever you want your experience to be you can customize it with messina's online casino if you're looking for a legitimate casino experience within the walls of your dreary studio apartment look no further than messinas they give you the tools for suicide except the gun which is available for an extra charge but they didn't say that messinas online casino log on get depressed You're listening to the official podcast of Apartment Hunters. So you say your friend is looking for an apartment close to the center of the city with a massive bathtub? Yes, he is a man of special needs. Ah, it's a shark with legs and he's wearing pants. Yes, that's my friend, Man Shark. He washed up on the beach a week ago. He's trying to start a new life. Man Shark? Yes, please do not discriminate against him. I've taught him to be very litigious. Ah! We'll take the apartment. The Adorable Boy Podcast. It isn't in your best interest to discriminate against Man Shark. Yes, don't discriminate against Man Shark. I think we've all we've all learned that throughout the years. We are back on the Adorable Boy Podcast, episode ten. We are gliding along like like we're ice skaters, like we're really talented ice skaters. That's what this show is doing. All right, um, all right. The phones are lit. 
we must be uh, reaching the people out there. So we're going to go to him. Uh, it's always good to hear from the people. Thank you, Pete Johnson Jr. For, uh, I mean, you set up the phones a few weeks ago, and it just it's helped the show immensely. So thank you, Pete, wherever you are. We got to get you in here one day. Um, all right, we're going to go to our first caller. It's um, let's see, this is Derek, and he's from Texas. Derek, you're on the Adorable Boy Podcast, episode ten. What do you got? Hey, that Antifa unboxing, it just wasn't any good. I didn't like it. It was kind of boring. Well, you know, um, what can I say? You know, I, I kind I tend to agree with you, but everything we do on the podcast isn't going to be a home run. You know, we're going to try stuff out. We're going to, and maybe doing the, the unbagging leads to something better. Um, I think it's kind of rude of you to call up and just be so blunt. You could have written an email instead of just attacking me on air, but whatever. Uh, whatever. You didn't like the unba- unbagging. I'm sorry. You know. Um, all right. Who do we got here? We got uh, Cindy from Pinellas Park, Florida. I used to do radio there. Cindy, what do you got for the show? Cindy, you there? Cindy, Cindy, Cindy. Cindy is not here. Um, I wish our call screener would uh, figure things out, but I don't know if that's ever going to happen. All right. We'll go on to the next caller. We have, uh, let's see, this is Lisa, and she is in Corpus Christi, Texas. Wow, we are really a national show, and it's just wonderful. Lisa, thank you for calling. What do you got? Hey, yeah, uh, I didn't like the unbagging either. I agree with the other two callers. Well, the second caller didn't say anything. Um, So I guess you agree with silence. And the first caller, you know, I I already explained it. I don't know what you want me to do. It wasn't a great bit. There, I said it. Everything isn't going to be a home run. It's the 10th episode. It's the first bit I wasn't happy with. And, you know, whatever. It's it's a process. You people don't understand podcasting. And sometimes it gets to me. I've been doing this since I was 18. I don't know what's the matter with you. You know, podcasting is in my blood. I've been studying podcasting. I've been studying people. And sometimes there's a mistake. Babe Ruth struck out once in a while. And we are if we are anything, we are the Babe Ruth of podcasting. So there are a few strikeouts. But, you know, that's all I have to say about that. Uh, let's see. Let's see if I can get another call here. Maybe a better one. Hi there, racist. Oh, good. It's you. I'm so glad you can just pop yourself in like that. Um, all right. Let me just set this up. All right, this guy or girl, I don't know which, they disguise their voice. Um, This is the leader of the unthinking mob. They've been roaming throughout the country, just causing havoc. And the only reason they're on here is because um, it's a whole big court proceeding where they had me declared a racist without me knowing that I didn't know about a trial, but they just, a judge declared me racist out there in, uh, I think the judge is in Mission Viejo, California. So... Had no idea about the trial, had no idea about anything, couldn't defend myself. So the settlement of it was that I had to let this guy on my, on the Adorable Boy podcast every week to say whatever he wants. Um, he's been on a few weeks and it always ends with him threatening to call the judge on me. And as of yet, he never has. So here we're going to hear some, some lunacy, some, some idiocy, and I'm sure it's going to end with him threatening to call the judge on me. I don't know this judge. I've. I've never heard from any judge, so. But, uh, all right, go ahead. Leader of the unthinking mob, it's uh, it's your time. Oh, Spud. The judge is real. 
and he's coming for you. And when he does, I'll have your podcast. And every week, we'll talk about racist America. Every single week. Can I, can I ask you a serious question? Why do you hate America so much? I mean, I, I assume you're an American citizen, or at least you live here. And I'm sure you've, I mean, you told me that you live in a big house with, you know, security and all that. I mean, this country has afforded you those things, and yet you hate it. And I'm just trying to understand why. You know why I hate it, Spud, because it's racist. It ha- always has been, and if people like you are in charge, it always will be. But I'm going to stop it, me. I have the power. I think a lot. I reflect. I study. Not you. You don't. You don't even think. You're just a, just a lemming. A, a Trump-voting lemming. Well, other than your idiocy every week, I, I don't keep this political. I mean, I comment on things, but I haven't ever said who I have voted for in the past or who I will vote for in the future. So you just assume I'm voting for Trump. I don't know why. Maybe I am. Maybe I'm not. Oh, you're going to vote for Trump, all right. Racist like you always do. And when you do, and then, but Biden wins... We're going to come get you. We're not going to forget what you've done. We're going to come get you. And anything is on the table, Spud. And just for you, because you've made me so mad, I'm not going to make your death quick. Okay, can we just get past the part where I tell you that you just made a death threat towards me and then you say you didn't um, and just get on to whatever you want to say today? We'll do what I want, Spud. Me. This isn't up to you. The judge said so. And I heard you say that you thought he was fake. He's not fake, Spud, and he's coming for you. And I'm telling him all the things you've done to break their agreement. And you're going to go to jail, Spud. And then you're going you're gonna to get arrested, and you're going to go to jail. Well, I haven't met a jail yet that can hold me. So, But, uh, you know, just please make this quick. You're still not getting it, Spud. I do what I want. You don't tell me what to do. Okay? Do you understand that? Uh-huh. I'm dedicating my time today to the heroes that lost their lives in Kenosha, Wisconsin. To that, to that crazy 17-year-old with racist with a gun. He shouldn't have been there, Spud. You probably put him there, didn't you? You probably made him go there. But those, those members of our cause were honorable men just fighting against racism. And that maniac killed them. He, he shot him in the head and then he shot another one in the arm. He killed two of us and wounded another. Well, you know, it's a controversial thing, but one of them did have a gun, and they were chasing him and beating him. I don't know the... I'm not going to say who's innocent and who's guilty, but I don't think it says... I don't know that you know who that, that kid was a racist. I don't know... I don't know anything. Um, I mean, it wasn't a very smart thing for him to do, but he did survive, but he also now is, you know, on trial for murder. Um... Uh, okay, so you're dedicating dedicating this to them, and, and that's it? That's all you want to do? Spud. This isn't about you. I'm going to call the judge, and he's going to come get you himself. He's going to come right here to get you. And you don't know where he is. You don't know if he's in Mission Viejo, California, or, or, or Antarctica. Only I know. I have the power. I'm a self-reflective type person, and you're a racist. You're a racist Trump voter. I'm, I'm, I don't even, I'm so mad, I can't even honor my fallen brothers. You know, I serve as a medic in, that, in, the, in the army against racism. What do you do, Spud? What do you do for, for, for people? I hang up on you. That's what I do.
You better not hang up on me. Oh, you make me so mad. Oh, I'm gonna get that judge. I'm gonna get him, and you're gonna you're gonna pay. So I'm gonna stay on your podcast for the rest of the time. It's mine now. I'm taking over. Me. I have power. All right. We want to thank the uh, leader of the Unthinking Mob for calling up. Uh, it was enlightening as always. I don't know how much longer we're gonna have to sift through that, but um, I don't, I guess if I just hang up on him immediately, then I mean eventually he'll stop calling in. Um, hopefully, but I don't know if he has much better else to do, he or she. Um, and it's weird that I can hang up on them, but they can just also just butt into my show. But I'm going to shut down, um, the system for the phone. So now he can't butt in and that's, that's what I've been doing. So if you're wondering how I'm hanging up on him, that's how. All right. Uh, we're going to do some news, but first we're going to have a break. We're going to hear some from, hear from some lovely sponsors. Uh, keep the lights on. You know how it is. If you want to get in touch with us, um, at Adorable Podcast on Twitter, it's the best way to do it. Uh, at uh, oh, uh, Adorable Podcast at Gmail dot com, another great way to do it. That's our email. You can talk right with us. Um, you got AOL keyword Adorable Boy, and then we have we're on social media: Facebook, the Adorable Boy Podcast, Instagram at Adorable Podcast. So find us, talk to us, love us, kiss us. Don't kill us, though. Um, so there you go. Adorable Boy Podcast, Episode 10. We'll be back after this. Goodbye, James. Good luck. Where's she going? To a bingo game? To her bank. Got a savings account on the east side, a checking account on the west side. Look, haven't you told her about our ever-loving full-service all-in-one bank, Chemical New York? Well, I'm going to, but have you noticed how plump Jane is getting? Plump? Walking around town to all those banks will do her good. Then, when she's in shape. I see. Then you take her to Chemical New York, the bank with the hometown shape. <laughs> uh, you know, Ethel, it uh, seems to me that uh, you're a waste, uh... Ain't what it used to be. <laughs> You're not fooling me for one minute, lazy bone. Chemical New York can't mow the lawn, but we can take care of your banking needs all in one bank. There's no place like Chemical New York, the bank with the hometown touch. All right, we are back after a short break on the Adorable Boy Podcast, Episode 10. We are uh, wrapping this thing up, but first, as always, I'm going to talk about the news of the world. Yes. Uh, actually, we're gonna, first thing I'm going to bring up is um, has actually had something to do with what the uh, leader of the uh, the Unthinking Mob was talking about. Um. A kid in Kenosha, um, as you know, there are riots going on for about a week there and pro- protests. And, and, you know, there are legitimate protesters and then there are riots that get violent. As, in my opinion, as soon as it gets violent, it's a riot. So uh, this kid, I don't know the full story about him. He was there and he had a, um, a large rifle. He's 17 years old. I think he came from another state, I believe. And there's a video online. We'll put it on the uh, 
adorable boy social media. There's a video that shows two guys attacking him, and he shoots them both. Uh, One died, one got shot in the arm, and apparently he shot someone before that. I don't think that's on video, though. And uh, now he's he got arrested and he's he's on trial for murder and it really has become a uh, a rallying point for a lot of these people who support the protests and some people who support the riots, which there are quite a few actually, surprisingly or unsurprisingly, uh, there are quite a few who support these violent riots. So um, at first, of course, as always happens, if a victim is on the left side of politics, the first stories that come out are they were peace-loving people who were nice to everyone and blah, blah, blah. Um, and the same thing came out about these guys, tributes and whatever. Um, reading this uh, article from the dailynews.com, and, and the, the first half of the article, most of the article calls them, says that all the people that knew them called them peaceful and just really wanted justice and all that stuff. But then you get to the end of it, and this is what I want all the adorable boy disciples to always look into things because what you read is it almost always has a bias but you can find kernels of truth in most articles not everyone but most of them so you go to the end let's see what they i'll give you an example of what they said in the beginning um about these guys uh rosenbaum it's one of their one of the guys names is rosenbaum one of the guys who got shot uh hold on oops i lost it there okay here it is Rosenbaum, a Texas native who had recently moved to Kenosha, left behind a fiancé and young daughter, uh, according to the whatever. There's been a GoFundMe for this kid. This guy, he's 36 years old. Um, see, what that wasn't... Okay, here's what someone said about him. He was fighting for a cause, and he wasn't a rioter. He was a protester and a defender. Now, I saw the video, and they were attacking this kid with a gun. Whether he should have been there or not, they were attacking him. And one of these Antifa guys, or whoever there had a gun. Um, they seem like rioters to me, if they're going to do that, but whatever. Um, let's see, what else is there? Uh, they came out, oh, this is about the, bo- the both of the men who died. Uh, they came out here every time with us, sweet, loving. They were the sweetest hearts, souls. I called Anthony my hippie guy, someone said. Uh, they, were so, they were sweet guys, we know all three of them. Uh, but Uber was the one who would always come up to me, always would be right by me. That was another one who died, Uber. So Uber and Rosenbaum both died. So it says they're sweet, loving, and, and we're going to focus on Rosenbaum here. I don't know about Uber. And all of this is according to the Daily News. Um, online, oh, no, actually, we're going to talk about Uber, too, because they have him here. Uh, online arrest records show Uber was arrested several times on battery, drug, and other charges. Now, I'm not going to judge someone for drugs. It's not a good choice, in my opinion. But everyone makes mistakes, and I can understand someone wanting to try drugs and, you know, have the experience. Um, But battery, I mean, battery is beating people or, or, you know, causing harm, violence. It's violence against someone, which is what happened here. So I don't know if someone who was um, arrested several times on battery necessarily is a sweet, loving soul. I know they can turn around, they can turn themselves around, but this guy... Uh, the last action of his life was trying to fight a guy. So, I don't know. Um, just doesn't seem like he's probably the sweetest and loving soul ever. Um, well, he's passed now, so he can't defend himself. But I'm just, I don't know him. I'm just putting together the the, the, the facts of this thing. Um, the Rosenbaum, now this is an even more interesting case. Uh, the, as you, if you'll remember, 
They called him a sweet and loving soul. Um, he had an open criminal case on battery, so he's just like his friend Huber. Uh, disorderly conduct and domestic abuse charges. So these are all, um, I don't know what the, uh, I don't know what the disorderly conduct was, but battery and domestic abuse, um, violence, domestic abuse, probably against a woman. You know, I mean, how, how much do we value someone who beats women? Well, not to say that he should have died, but, um, these guys have a history of violence and they got shot for attacking a guy. If you'll believe the shooter's story, so I mean the new and the news kind of buried the Daily News kind of buried this in the bottom, and uh, his previous record could not immediately be confirmed. But I have something else here. Um, it was obtained through the Freedom of Information Act. Now I can't verify the veracity of this, so I'm just reading what it says. Uh, this is about uh, Joseph Rosenbaum. His background. Uh, let's see. Let me skim through this. He, he, to, at the end of February 2002, an acquaintance of the defendant, which is Rosenbaum, uh, brought him to stay after the after Rosenbaum was asked to leave his mother's residence. Um, see, for about one month, the defendant stayed at three women's homes. So I guess it's like a family, uh, and had contact with their sons, the minor victims. So, uh, the five victims. In age, range in age from 9 to 11. So Rosenbaum, there are some child victims of him. Let's read on. Uh, and again, this is according to a report. I don't know if it's true, but I found it online. Uh, the mother of one of the victims noted a burn mark on her son. And when she asked him about the mark, he made allegations of sexual molestation by the defendant. So I won't go into it because this is kind of a family podcast. Um, but let's say... Uh, the, the accusing, the, the child who accused, the name is redacted. Not that I would give it anyway. Um, he reported the defendant touched him and exposed his own genitalia. Um, the defendant pleasured himself to the point of, of completion. Um, I hope this gets on the air. I don't want the FCC to, uh, to find us. Uh, and he showed him magazine depicting naked adult females. One defendant was, um, let's just say penetrated. And uh, I think it was a boy uh, in March 2002. And just a whole bunch of stuff. Now, what we're reading is that this guy, Rosenbaum, and again, I don't know if it's true. What we're reading is that he was guilty of, of you know, sodomizing boys, young, minor boys. Uh, this is what you never hear. This is they, they don't want to tell you this because they want every victim to be a martyr, no matter what they were like in real life. If you look at the Kenosha victim, um, the man who was shot seven times, if you look at him, you know, when, when the news first came out, they did the same thing. They said, oh, he's a father of however many, and he was just stopping to break up a fight, and the cops came and shot him. But you look more into it, and I'm not, I'm not giving you judgment. I'm telling you the truth of the matter. You look more into it. This guy was not only the cops came there because they were called on him. Um, a woman was accusing him of this is, and this is what I heard. I can't confirm this but I, I got it from pretty reliable sources um he was guilty i mean he he had this woman had a restraining order against him um because she accused him of rape and allegedly he he digitally raped her um and that's why one of the reasons the cops were coming for him um and then according to what i've heard the cops tried to use a stun gun on him and he didn't stop and they held him at gunpoint and told him to stop and he didn't 
He was reaching into his car where they later found a knife in the floorboard. And then he got shot seven times. Now, you can argue that the police could have handled it better. Um, he didn't die, by the way. Uh, you can argue that the police could have handled it better, but I don't understand how you can excuse those actions. I mean, he at least had 50% to do with his own shooting. You know, being a reasonable person, waiting for all the facts and all that kind of stuff. At, at, there were so many points there where he could have not gotten shot. And I'm not, this isn't political. I'm not trying to be political here. These, this is fact. And when, when we talk about news, we got to talk about these things. We got to talk about facts, no matter what side of the political aisle we're on. We must talk about facts. That's the only thing. But they don't want us to talk about facts. Um, they, and they only report on these things that will get people riled up. You know, they don't report on other shootings that, that aren't as good of a story. It's a great story for the cops to have come and, and just shot a guy seven times who's doing nothing. That's a great story for them. And that's what they try to pass. And then it never works because, and, and I'm sure they know this, but they do get the initial spark and that's what they need. And then, you know, LeBron James and the heroes of the NBA jump on it and defend this guy who, who, who raped women. What about the women? What about the women he raped? I mean, I read on Twitter, uh, she, the woman who claimed to be an aunt of someone that the, the victim of the Kenosha shooting, um, you know, the cop shooting, uh, this woman claimed to be the aunt of, of, a, of a girl that he had raped. And she said, you know, again, I don't know if it was her or not. I believe it was. Um, but that's my opinion. And she said, you know, yeah, I wish they shot him 50 times for what he did to her. And that's, you know, this guy had multiple chances throughout his life, I'm sure, to, to not be what he was, but he didn't take them. And now you have celebrities and athletes in a position where they're defending a, a, ter a guy who did terrible things, a guy who, who probably destroyed lives. I mean, he, he had his kids in the car and he's, he's not listening. He's getting, he's getting tasered and he's not stopping and he's not, he's putting his kids in danger there. Because who knows what could happen? One of his kids could have gotten hit or something. You know, if you're with your kids, you can't, you can't fight the police. You're not a reasonable, reasonable person if you do. Now, does that mean you should get shot seven times? I wasn't there. I don't know. But, you know, any reasonable, logical person knows that there were multiple times in just the, the unfolding of events that day where this guy could have not, could have acted so he didn't get shot. Um, and he didn't take them any, any of them. So maybe we should all start trying to think of not what suits our political, you know, bend, but maybe look for the truth and go from there. And, you know, if I, we'd probably find we agree on a lot more if we did that. But, you know, what do I know? I'm just a shock jock. Um, so that's what I got on the Kenosha shooting and, uh, both Kenosha shootings, the one with the 17-year-old and the rifle and the original one that started all the protests. So what else do we have in the news? Um, Speaker of the House, Nancy Pelosi. She's had a tough week, though. I, I, the thing with, with that side, and, and again, I'm not political, but let's be honest, the, the left side of the, of the aisle is the more ridiculous one right now. And this story just shows it. Um... California, she's a representative from California in the House, and she was caught on videotape uh, getting a haircut and a blow drying in a, in a salon that was closed to everyone else. 
and she wasn't wearing a mask. And she'd been ra- ranting and raving. And this woman, you hear her voice, and she sounds like she's a thousand. Now, she doesn't look like she's a thousand. She looks like she's about 70, which she probably is. But she, she sounds like the grandma from uh, Beverly Hillbillies. And it's, you know, and looks, she looks like the Crypt Keeper, but like with makeup and stuff on. But anyway, that's my opinion. Uh, so she got this thing and then, um, so, and people were mad because everything is shut. You know, these people can't earn a living. Other people can't get the haircut because of the virus. And then there she is, you know, getting a haircut and basically, I mean, she's Marie Antoinette at this point, but, um, but then as if that's not bad enough, you know, she needs a way out of it. She needs to blame someone else. So she says that she was set up and she didn't know that she was doing anything wrong, which is complete. It's, it's just nonsense. She, she had to have known if this place was closed. She knew there was no one else in there. She knew that other people couldn't get the haircut. But, you know, this is just a tactic to try and whatever. And she's saying she's set up. She's, she really seems insane to me, just to me. Um, and, and now she's saying that it was, a, as I said, it was a setup and they tried to get her. And she's going to, you know, who knows. But you listen to her talk and, and I don't know. I can't imagine how she gets elected. But that's, again, my opinion. Um, so now she's blaming the stylist and saying, you know, whatever. Except for instead of, you know, I don't, I, here's the thing. And again, I'm not going to get political. But the left is a circus. It really is. It's just, you know. Again, this week, Biden finally talked about the riots, but he didn't really condemn them. And I remember when, I mean, the media pounded Trump over and over and over again to get him to say the words that he condemns, um, you know, right-wing violence. And and just pounded him and pounded him and pounded him. But yet Biden never really does it. He's he's straddling the fence because he doesn't want to make the looters and rioters mad because he wants them to vote for him. Um so, I, I just don't understand uh, where we are. I just don't. And again, it's looking more and more like the adorable boys need to start their own political party. Don't think we won't. So come November, all every every week the news is about you know something has to do with the election, um, and you know that's just that's just the nature of the beast. That's what people want to talk about. That's what people are talking about. And it's riots. It's it's whatever. And all I keep hearing is how Biden is killing Trump in the polls. I, I have a hard time believing that, but what do I know? I'm just a shock jock. Um, see, we got anything else in the news? The NBA is playing their games. We talked about that earlier. Uh, MLB, NHL, they're all, they're all playing. I wonder how this is going to affect all these sports. Not that I really care, but how all this stuff is going to uh, affect the starting of next season. Like, are they going to play hockey until... September and then start again in October. I, I, I doubt it. But um, there's another funny story. Um, Sarah Huckabee Sanders, who was the president's press secretary for a while, uh, she she wrote in her book that at one point with a meeting with Kim Jong Un, the uh, dictator of North Korea, uh, he winked at her, and Trump whispered to her that she should take one for the team. And I, I just find that funny. Um, I imagine it'd be a nightmare for any woman to be with that guy. He's, he's kind of pudgy 
I mean, I'm sure you know who he is. He's got a, a terrible haircut, too. I mean, that might be the worst part of him, other than the genocide. Um, but I, I I wonder if she would. I wonder how many women would. But I, I don't even know. I know it's a joke, but I doubt he would then ease up on America after that. I, mean, I figured he'd just be the same, you know, dictator. But uh, I guess he likes women like uh, Sarah Huckabee Sanders. Um, and yeah, so that's uh, pretty much it for the news. I mean, there's other stuff, but most of the stuff is if you address you know the the big political story, all the other stories pretty much come off of that. Uh, you know, uh, Seattle Seattle's uh, top cop is stepping down, and I, I don't blame her. Um, you take away, you know, all the all the ability she has to do her job, you know, and she's a, a woman and she's, she's a, a person of color. And, you know, we kind of, we, everyone says they want people like that to succeed, especially them. And when they do, when they rise to the ranks, when they work hard, when they, when they get somewhere in life, they always tend to be taken down. And that's weird. Unless they're like rappers or something, they, they're, they're fine. But, you know, cops or politicians, if, if they're not, if they if they don't agree with the prevailing politics of the unthinking mob, then they seem to be destroyed, and that's just a shame. Uh, let's see. D.C. protesters ascend on police station, home of mayor, after officer fatally shoots man. That's another one that just happened uh, in the last few hours. Um, this kid had a gun, and. He got shot by the police and there were other kids in the car with him. I think probably like 17, 18. That's what they look like. And they didn't get shot. The other kids in the car, but they, I assume the kid that did get shot, you know, whatever, it's all going to come out. And this one doesn't seem to be as big as the other ones. So that, you know, because they kind of, as I said before, they kind of choose which ones that we, uh, that we know about. Um, let's see. Oh, this is a good one. California prosecutor tells district attorneys to consider looters' needs when considering charges. So we really are just just on a rocket to the point where uh, there is no private property because we have to consider looters' need. They didn't work for the things they didn't earn them, but they took them through violence. And now this person, and I doubt it's going to catch on. It's just, I don't know. It's just stupid. The adorable boys give you the news. But we're also limited by what the news, because we don't have time to investigate all this stuff. I just read them and give you my opinion. We're limited by by what they tell us. So, I mean, this lady's a crackpot if she thinks that uh, looters' needs should even be considered. No, they're breaking the law. I don't care. You know, it's, it's, it really is very simple. Protesting is fine as soon as it turns violent and destructive to property. It's not fine anymore. End of story. But no one wants to to make... Well, some people do. One side does, one side doesn't. And it, we're always just a slave to the two parties. And it's it's really getting getting old. So that's that might be why the adorable boys might seek to, to form their own political party. We'll see. We'll see what happens in the future. Uh, one thing you can be sure of, the adorable boys are going to fight to make everything better. That's what we do. So we do it on a weekly basis. So 
Jim Cornette, we're fighting to stop your kowtowing. You're kowtowing on Twitter. You're kowtowing, you're kowtowing in the podcast realm. You know, there are a lot of people who don't like your kowtowing. I could name, you know, Vince Russo, uh, Rick Bassman, you know, uh, so many people. Two, those are two giants of wrestling. Rick Bassman helped to bring John Cena into wrestling. Rick Bassman helped to bring um, Sting and, and Ultimate Warrior, who are legends in pro wrestling. And this guy uh, is not a fan of yours, Jim. And you've made some threats on him in the past, haven't you? I'd like to get him on the on the show to talk about that. Maybe we will. Frank and Means get get working on that. All right. So this is the end of episode ten of the Adorable Boy Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us today uh, on this podcast. What did we talk about? We talked about Jim Cornette and his 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 pathetic um, treatment of one of the greatest wrestling announcers of all time. You know, it's, it, to me, it's JR and it's Tony Schiavone and they're on a, a level by themselves and how Jim Cornette, you know, this guy's a friend to Jim Cornette to Jim Cornette and this, and he just treated him terribly. Um, what else do we talk about? We talked about, let me look on the list here. What do we got? All right. Let's see. We talked about, let's see. We did the podcast war. Oh, we, we, uh, how could I have forgotten about this? We praise the uh, NBA and all the other athletes, but especially the NBA, for considering a strike um, and eventually not striking because they would lose too much money, the players themselves. But all the positive effects that them even considering a strike had on our, on our civilization, on our society. The heroes, one and all, all those athletes are heroes. You see them on the TV, they're wearing masks. They're getting paid millions to play a game. It's they're they're all heroes and their 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 heroic act has had heroic consequences, so that's great. Uh, then we moved on to an antifa unbagging. We unbagged their uh, supplies, and the callers didn't like that. And you know we're not going to hit a home run with every call, every listener, every time. But um, what else did we do? Then we talked about the news. We talked to the unthinking mob, and he threatened to get a judge on me. Did that, and we just had a good time. I think. Uh, I treasure every second that I get to spend with my podcast audience, with our podcast audience, because the other adorable boys are alive and well. I, 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 I don't have any proof of that, but I choose to believe it. They will be home and they will be back to the adorable boy towers in this studio, getting, creating quality content. They will be. I believe it. Okay. I just great episode. Uh, thank you for joining us on the Adorable Boy Podcast, Episode 10. Uh, we'll be back next week with Episode 11. Each one, each each, uh, each episode, just, just uh, it begins a new era, and it's just monumental. So please join us. You can get us on podbean.com. Uh, that's who hosts us. You can get us on Apple Podcasts. You can get us, you know, pretty much everywhere. Uh, and we just, we love talking to you um twitter at adorable podcast aol keyword adorable boy facebook the adorable boy podcast instagram adorable podcast so thank you for joining us we will see you next week on the adorable boy podcast episode 11